Hey guys, Kurt here with a little PSA before another episode of the Taco Stand with Taco and Jordan. There's been a lot of talk about how we should treat our fellow gamers, um, in particular females. Um, that has been a topic of a lot of good talk, but also a lot of scrutiny. We're just here to tell you that at the MFG cast, we feel that no matter your race, no matter your gender, no matter your religion, no matter your sexual preference, that we feel that you should be respectful to everybody, no matter what. We here feel that you should be judged by your convictions, not by how you look, how you speak, what you believe. We've been taught that you should treat others as you would like to be treated. And we strongly believe that to this day. So to you that are listening, if you see any atrocities against your fellow man or woman, say something. Tell the local game store. Tell someone who's in charge, wherever you may be. We should all be here to love one another, to be friends with one another. And when that bond is broken with all the atrocities that are out there, then we've all lost. So if you're going to do anything for this podcast, if you're going to do anything for us, just remember this one thing. We're all here to have a good time. So let's go have some fun, okay? Thanks for listening. And back to the taco stand with Taco and Jordan. And now, the taco stand. Muy caliente. No, <laughs> do that again. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> Higher. Muy caliente. No. Sexier and high like normal. Muy caliente. There you go. Hello and welcome to the Taco Stand Podcast. I am Taco. And I'm Jordan. And today we're going to be actually going over our top 10 games. So, Jordan, I'm sure you have some honorable mentions. We kind of talked about that before, as do I. We did. Uh, before that, I did take out two games that I felt were more of a collection, collectible type game. I didn't include Dice Masters and I didn't include X-Wing. Both are outstanding. Both would be on the list somewhere. It, I, it just didn't feel right to put them on the list for some reason. Well, my list has been uh, kind of sitting around for a couple weeks because we originally started putting together a list, and I thought I was done, but I've I've been making a few little changes too. So there's some things that you might not you might not be totally expecting here. But uh, should I just jump right in to? Uh... Let's hear your honorable mention. Okay. So I have, as an honorable mention, I have King of Tokyo. It's not a very strategic game. I have really fond memories of playing this at Gen Con. Uh, they had the oversized version where you had these dice that were about the size of a soccer ball, and you'd kind of toss them all around. And as far as I'm concerned, stomping around with your friends as big, ridiculous monsters is just a lot of fun. And the game really does work. On most turns, it's really obvious what you need to do. You roll the dice. Sometimes you take a chance. People never take forever to do their turn because there's just not that much to really analyze. You can laugh, you can drink, you can argue. You don't really need to remember some kind of master plan. And new people can be shown how to play easily. To me, you're hitting a lot of important marks with that. Exactly. I would I would completely agree with you. You know, Especially, it's easy to teach to new people. It's got that risk-reward. Do I stay on Tokyo or do I kind of back away because I'm about to die? 
Right. Yeah. You know, right. Lots of fun stuff like that. I have two honorable mentions. First one is Corals. Hmm. It's a deck builder by uh, Stronghold Games, and I've always really enjoyed the that one a lot. It's got two expansions, and we use the majority of what's in the expansions for them. And I like the whole, you know, you're building your fleet, you got your space fleet, you got your land fleet, and you're trying to take over these different plants, which give you energy to buy more things to add to your deck and to use during your turn. And then the other game is Food Chain Magnet. That dropped a little bit for me, but I, I know Jordan doesn't like that one. <laughs> But uh, I still really enjoy it. It's a fun game. It's just a very long game, and it is not new player friendly at all. Jordan, you can attest to that. Yeah, I got curb stomped. Yes. And I think eventually a lot of people are going to have their like set strategies, and it's just going to be who interferes with that strategy more than anything. I do actually have one other honorable mention. This okay. is a change, and okay. it's probably not going to shock you that much. But... Uh, Lately, we've been playing Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, and I feel like I have to add this as an honorable mention. We haven't played it that much, but I've been really enjoying it. It's, uh, it's a very social game. You uh, Together as a group, you try to solve crimes. It is not your typical game where you have you don't have miniatures, you don't have dice rolling. You don't, you don't have, have a board. <laughs> you don't have a board, you don't have armies, you don't have anything. You, have a, um, you do have a map of... London, and you have a directory, and you have people. You go around and you interview people, and you try to figure out try to figure out uh, the crime. The crime, and um, it's a very social game. And as far as I can tell, it seems like it's always a lot of fun. And uh, to me, that's the most important thing. A game's got to be fun. And uh, again, even people who don't know how to play at all can sit down, and and you know they do have to sit down for the whole game, but. They can hear the story. There's a lot of storytelling elements, though. You're going to need somebody to sit down and basically read, do a lot of reading. There's kind of a, a GM element. There's a little bit of a Dungeons & Dragons feel to it as someone's, it, with words, laying out like what happened, You know, reading the story. And then there's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure element to it, too. But I think it's a lot of fun, and I feel like I need to put it as an honorable mention. Yeah, it's... I'm I'm not sure if I really consider a game as more of a puzzle That's that you're true. doing as a group. That's true. There's but no it, victory points. It is a very old game that recently got a reprint, and it did win the Spiel des Drawers, whatever it's award that whatever how you pronounce that, back when it was originally <laughs> created, which I think was 1986. 1986. Okay. Well, so that yeah, was when D and D was big, so that would make sense. Yeah. So, anyways, okay, on to our top ten. Okay, and so is. for my top 10 list, these are basically the game top 10 games I would want to play now. I tried not to let nostalgia affect my list too much. I don't know if that... Okay. Nostalgia you're... factored in a little bit. I tried to make it a little bit of a what I want to play most right now, but I kind of factored in also a little bit of your all-time... There's some game, There's one or two games on there I really haven't played much recently, but... I just didn't feel like it'd be right to not have them on the list. What's interesting right now, actually us doing this, we've been planning to do this for quite some time, is right now on Facebook, uh, a lot of the board game Facebook groups are doing their top nine games where they have pictures of their top nine games. So, Top nine games, yeah. not quite as good as top ten. No. And technically we had top 11 or 12, but <laughs> if we count our honorable mentions. Yeah. All right, so number ten, onto the, onto the list. 
for my first one, Risk twenty two ten. Okay. This is my this is my Risk game. If I had to choose a war game, a Risk game, this is it. You know, it, it has the classic elements of original Risk, but it's got a certain set number of turns. It's got commanders. It's got bonus powers and cards. Nothing's quite as awesome as like nuking someone and getting rid of you know they have this huge army piled up and you just tore through half of it with one card mm, yeah you know even some of the random ones you know it could suck it could it could be good for you you never know but it's still awesome and i really wish uh avalon hill would actually release they had done several like tournament kits with like expansion boards like there was a an additional like Mars board and everything. Besides, really? besides the moon, yes, there was okay. a new commander and everything. I see. And I wish they would uh, release those, but sadly, I don't think that's ever going to get released. Okay, okay. I can't complain about Risk Twenty Two Ten. My number ten is Sheriff of Nottingham. You're going to hear me say this from time to time, but I like this game because it's different. Uh, it's it's not even accurate to just say that it's easy to learn. Sheriff of Nottingham is all about lying, so basically everybody already knows how to play. And boy, it is really satisfying to catch someone lying. Uh, the only thing probably more satisfying than that is getting away with your own lie. Now, if you're not good at telling when people are lying, that's fine. In many cases, players make decisions based off of just calculated and statistical reasons. In Sheriff of Nottingham, you're trying to smuggle goods past the sheriff. So you tell him that you have three bushels of apples, and he gets to decide if he's going to search your cart or not. And if he's right, uh, you're penalized and he's rewarded, or vice versa. So you might have a situation where if you can't read people at all. If you don't feel like you have a really great intuition, that's really not a problem. You just need to adjust your play style. It's pretty easy to say, okay, I really don't think he could possibly have five bushels of apples because there's only so many apples floating around and I've seen a lot of those go by. He's probably lying. Plus he's running out of money and he's probably desperate to try to catch up in this game. So it's not strictly, it's a very, very social game. In my opinion, it's very fun. Again, everybody learns how to play pretty much instantly. And um, and you don't really have to be some kind of like empath to, to be good at it. And you, you tend to focus towards the line part of it. And another big part of it is the negotiation. You know, like, oh, yeah. You know, you let oh, yeah. me through this time and, you know, I'll let you through my, you know, oh, when boy. I'm the sheriff. I've seen people get played so hard on that. Oh, man. When somebody, <laughs> when somebody manages to, to, to negotiate their way through something, and then later it turns out that they just completely, completely lie, lied to them. Sorry, it's not supposed to be about lying. Right. But uh, you figured something out, and they uh, and it turns or, out that you really... Everybody's totally, like, renege on the whole, like, <laughs> you, know, oh, you know, I'm still going to search it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I remember seeing. I've seen some people look like they were about to choke on their food when he says, uh, "For ten, for ten dollars, I won't search your cart." And then, and then the person says, "Okay, fine." And then he's like, "Oh, well, no, forget the ten dollars. I'm just searching your cart because he clearly at that just that point he just tricked them into telling them that there's something really valuable in the cart, yeah. you know." So, all right, nine, number nine, Signore. This is a. It's kind of a. I don't want to say worker placement because it's not really a worker placement, but 
you're taking dice from a pool that have been rolled and they're different colors and you have to match them up with the certain actions but based on the number you may have to pay more you may have to pay to do the action or you might not but you also want to stay under a certain number for a bonus at the end of the round and what you're basically trying to do is you're trying to be the head house during the like Italian Renaissance type era, you know, when they had all the different fancy houses. And so you're marrying you're marrying off daughters to different allegiances and your sons are getting either trained to be political or military or they might be addicted to WoW. That's yeah. that's the embarrassing path when one of your sons is addicted to WoW. But yeah. <laughs> sorry, pretty sure they didn't have that back oh. in the Renaissance. Oh, okay. But you know, so or there's the religious track that they can okay. go on, <laughs> equally humiliating. Okay, okay. And so then you take them after they've progressed to a certain point, and you make alliances that way with them. And the whole point is to try and get all these alliances. To get victory points in the end. I know you're not a big victory point person at the end. And that's what this is. I'm fine with some victory points. I'm just, you know, it's just we we can't have games that don't involve victory points. You know, but of course, having said that, my number nine is Viticulture. (laughs) It's really a classic Euro style worker placement game that involves victory points. And there's just a lot of those types of games out there. Honestly, sometimes, like you mentioned, I I do feel like a little bored with some of these Euro-style worker placement victory point games, but they're not bad games, and I feel like there needs to be at least something on my top 10 list. I can't quite put my finger on why I like Viticulture a little more than the others. It could be because it it plays well. It doesn't have any glaring flaws to it. It could be just because I ran into one of the guys who made it at Gen Con, and he was cool. I don't know. Could be your alcoholism. It could be that. Yeah. Uh, okay. You you jumped the the gun on that one. But yes, it could be that I like the idea of uh, just making wine. I don't know. But uh, the theme really works though too. It feels when you're playing viticulture, you're you're trying to run a vineyard, and you're assigning your workers to different tasks, and you're trying to decide if you want to make uh, really fine wines of high quality, red wine, white wine, uh, uh, something like that. But um, you can decide to put more resources into making better wines. You can try to fill certain wine orders. Um, and it it works. It just works. And it's fun. And uh, that's why it's my number nine. Also, excellent components, too. I oh, mean, yeah. It's got actual little like metal coins, right? Metal coins. Yeah. And the yeah. box is real sturdy. And just everything was well done with it. Yes. Yes. So Agreed. That always adds an extra plus to a game like that. My number eight, Eclipse. Okay. This is the, probably the 4X of my uh, collection that I enjoy the most. I was kind of tossing between this and Zaya Legend of the Drift System, but I went with Eclipse. I've played it more. I enjoy it. I enjoy the different ways you can build different races. Each race has kind of like their own specialty, whether it be military or they might be friends with the Ancients, which is an alien race. They may be more of a scientific race, and so they're very quick to get te- technologies. But it's you're exploring the whole universe, and you're trying to get as much area as possible. And, you know, in the end, it's being... I believe it is victory points still in the end. 
I haven't played. I only played it once. So trying to remember, I, it's been a while. I'm but, surprised it had such an impact on you, honestly. So but you, you like no, it, it that much? Yeah, right? it's okay. it's fun. It's a it's an epic game, and I I always like big epic games. Okay. Okay. So that's number eight, Eclipse for me. Number eight for me is Ticket to Ride. Everyone's familiar with Ticket to Ride. If you if you don't own it, to me, it would be a really basic purchase. If you were gonna buy a few games, you wanted to get into playing games. Ticket to Ride, and actually the next one that's going to be my my number seven coming up are both kind of similar in some ways. I don't know what hasn't already been said about this game. Like I said, lots of people have played Ticket to Ride. Everybody likes it. It's a really safe thing to purchase. You're, you're, lots of expansions. There's tons of expansions, but even the base game is good. It's not like the base game had any major flaws that needed to be corrected. The wives and girlfriends crowd tend to be very much on board with Ticket to Ride. You're trying to build these railroads across, well, there's various maps, but the base one is the United States. You're trying to fill certain tickets. You can see what everyone else is doing. You can try to interfere with their goals if you can try to figure out what they are. But for the most part, you focus on building your own uh, railroad network. And uh, it's just a really good game, and I'm always down to play it. And um, most people I know are. So my number eight, Ticket to Ride. It is a very good game. My number seven is actually one that you finally got to play semi-recently. Yes. And that was Voyages of Marco Polo. Yeah. Which came out last year. This is, a, in a sense, a worker placement game. And it's also you're racing around the map trying to gain influence in areas. You know, basically gain influence in areas. And you're trying to get to... Uh, yeah. No, well... Yeah. Then you, there is a point in the game when you close your eyes and then you say Marco and then everyone else says Polo and, and then yeah, there's a okay. one guy who refuses to play along and, uh, you know. Now you're just mocking me. All right. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't think of the Mongolian capital or whatever that is at the Mongolia. end. Or was it Beijing that you tried to get to at the end? I, my head's... Uh, Oh, I don't remember the name of Mongolian capital, and I really should because I, I was really into the Mongols for a while. But, uh... but uh, anyways, you're trying to, you're basically setting up the trade routes. You're going through the trade routes. You're completing trades. You're trying to be an explorer, and there's lots. Of, those are probably the two biggest ways to get victory points is either by doing lots of trades or lots of exploring. And I, I like the whole where you're rolling the dice each turn and based on the dice is how powerful it is and you know where you could put it for a location yeah it was good i i actually really wouldn't mind getting together and playing that one again so for my number seven i have power grid and like i mentioned on the last entry ticket to ride this is also a, just a really you could accuse me if anything you could accuse me of not being very original or not really taking many risks because saying that one of your top 10 games is power grid is like saying one of your top 10 movies is star wars it's really you're not really going out on a limb here everybody likes power grid not me not you I, i'm not, really i really do not like power grid i'm just i had no idea yeah it's not my thing huh okay i i Hmm, okay. We had lots of fun at Gen Con playing the oversized one where you had the the power grid board that was 8 feet by 10 feet. It was massive. And um, so it's just... Do, a, it's do you not, just like games that are just massively big if I just like... That is true. You uh, That is true. Maybe I get suckered in. Maybe if you could take like... 
Monopoly, but you had a big enough version of it, I would just get just drawn into the huge Monopoly game. Well, this game is horrible, but look at the size of that dog. <laughs> look so... at the oversized cards. <laughs> yes. No, Power Grid is good. Everybody likes Power Grid. There's not a ton of strategy. You have to take some chances. You try to build your, well, instead of a grid of railroad tracks, you're building a grid of power lines. So you could accuse me of having, you know, like I said, Power Grid and Ticket to Ride. I feel like they had to be included, though, because they're really good. And uh, I'm down to play Power Grid anytime you like, but apparently you're not. So I, it, I, guess I don't know. Do it's, just, you're not around. it's just not. It's just an economy game that I'm just not big, really fond of. Okay. Okay. All right, so my number six has actually been brought up on your list, and that is the Ticket to Ride series. Okay. I, I'm i always open for Ticket to Ride. I have all the maps. You know, they just came out with the Pennsylvania one and the UK one, and those actually play really differently. I'm really, I haven't had a chance to really play them yet, but they, they really, I've heard they're more of a gamer type Ticket to Ride. It adds a lot more to it. Hmm. Okay. But what I like about Ticket to Ride is it's... No one's going to be offended by it. No one's... You can play it with your grandparents, your parents, wife, girlfriend, kids. Yeah. And everyone's yeah. going to enjoy it. My mother-in-law played Ticket to Ride yeah. uh, when we were camping. And she... I remember her gloating about how she was going to win. She didn't. But uh, somehow she... I remember actually teaching you Ticket to Ride when we were up camping playing on the iPad. We actually played on the iPad. Okay. And you guys were giving me a hard time because I had like 15 tickets. And you were like, are you just trying to lose? And then like I just completely mopped the floor with you guys because I had completed all those tickets. That does that does set the, the new players aside from the from the more professional players. People new players tend to be really conservative. They want to fill all their tickets and they do not want to take any chances. And then you have an experienced player who just just draws more and more tickets. <laughs> they know the routes, they know, you know, what what's more likely to come up. So what is your number six? My number six is Dominion. A lot of games can legitimately make the claim that they don't play the same way twice. And that's a good thing, but I feel like Dominion kind of started a trend in games where the actual gameplay dynamic changes each time you play. So if you had a good strategy last game, it's probably not going to work at all this game. You cannot go into Dominion with some kind of and I'm, single master strategy. I'm going to disagree with you huge on this, especially with just the base game. I know you're talking probably the whole Dominion series. I, okay. But the buy gold strategy is yes. going to win... I, I did crush you with the buy-only-money strategy, which I haven't made this admission before, but the, the, the one time I did that, I, I, I looked it up on Google ahead of time, and uh, I, I, I figured out that the only-buying-money strategy works fantastically well in the base set of Dominion, but there are a ton of expansions, and... Um, and they're still making them. And none of the... The buy-only-money strategy is not nearly as uh, good in the expansions. They, they address that issue, and even in the base game, if you want to buy only money, that's fine. I mean, other people can also buy money as well. It's, it's not, it only gives you an advantage for like one game before other people figure out what you're doing. But uh, 
In Dominion, you have a random assortment of cards that you get to choose from this game. And you have to pay attention, try to perceive some kind of synergy, some kind of way that these cards can work together. You're purchasing them. It's a deck-building game. Deck-building games are... I, I, I like them. This and was, this is this one of the was, ones. I believe, the first deck-building game. This is what at least launched deck building into being a popular genre and there's a lot of good deck building games Uh, ascension could easily be on this list too but uh i'm gonna say uh dominion Uh, ascension was actually on my short list okay okay so number six dominion all right well number five for me is two deck builders because they both rank about the same for me they're the same thing they're both deck builders and that is DC deck building game and Legendary, a Marvel deck building game. So you cheated. Couldn't handle just picking one game. You got to sit one job. To me, to me, they're equal. They at this point they are equal to me because both offer. I think DC maybe offers some more options, like play style wise, because they have the cooperative, they have the competitive, they have a hidden role one now, okay. which is interesting. But Legendary has the whole mix you know you can you really can make a story with legendary you you pick a scheme you're picking different heroes to go into your hero deck instead of just one basic core deck different villains there's a mastermind i I like both of them i mean both have their pluses and their negatives and it's really i couldn't choose one and i figured i would just put them together so number five DC deck building game and legendary deck building game. Those are good games. I'll give you that. Even if you can't really understand the concept of a top 10 list, fine. All right. Number five for me is Pandemic Legacy. I don't know what to say about the game. There's First off, Pandemic itself was just an excellent game. And somehow they took what was already a really good game and then they just turned it into a complete game changer. Pandemic was good. But Pandemic Legacy is just ch- kind of changes everything, and I think I've, I think I've seen a pattern now where we're seeing this more and more, where you have games where the game evolves and changes itself permanently. The first time in this game when I heard that we were supposed to tear up a card, I really didn't understand what they were even saying. Well, I, we actually stopped and I said, well, okay, so when it says tear up this card, they mean like we like. We set it aside. We're like figuratively tearing it apart. It's it's a laminated card. I if we tear it up, we can never use it again. Yeah, that's the point. This this card is gone. This gaming dynamic has now changed. You have these sealed little cases, and as you continue to play the game after game after game, you have these characters that actually are changing, and you have rules that are changing. The diseases are changing. They're developing resistances. They're becoming more viral. They're becoming more dangerous. And you're working for the CDC trying to control global outbreaks of disease. If you have a group of friends that you play with regularly, which most of us do, this is just a fantastic game to get. If you have played Pandemic and you have a group of people that you play games with, you should definitely invest in this game. It gets crazy. I'm not supposed to give any spoilers here, but it gets nuts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I will agree with you on that. And it basically takes a popular board game and adds a campaign element to it. It adds, you know, a lot of what RPGers or people who love story would love into a game. And so it adds that, and I enjoyed it. 
but now it's over, and I have no real interest to ever playing it again. That is true. I do have to add that as a caveat. In complete fairness, Pandemic Legacy, once you finish it, has more or less no replay value. So you get at least 12 plays out of it, but maybe you'll get more plays depending on what happens to you. But you'll get a minimum of 12 plays out of it. I suppose conceivably you could have upwards of like 20 or 24, right? 24 you can, would be you could, you could fail a month, and then if you fail a month, then you get to... Okay, so... Um, yeah. But that's a lot of plays. And also, I have to point out that the name of the game is Pandemic Legacy Season 1. So there is no reason to believe that we can't have more seasons. Very true. You could argue that, well, now I'm going to have to buy another game. Okay, but seriously, if you if you play a game 16 times and have a ton of, friend, ton of fun with your friends, I don't care how much a game costs. That was a pretty good investment. Yeah, so, I, I mean... I. I'm not yes. arguing with you on this. We're place. never going to play season one again, though. That's, no, that's it's... now that we're we're done. That is over. I have no interest in trying to beat, you know, it better. Oh this no. Time. no, no, it's. But it was fun. The experience. It is an experience. I love seeing people's faces when you tear up a card or destroy something for the first time. Because characters can die too. Because yeah. you actually select a character and put your name on that character and give them a few abilities but those characters are not protected you can yeah. easily have it where a certain character is now gone so it, it is fun yeah all right so my number four and truthfully you know one through five pretty much could be intermixed that's how close yeah. they really are yes i don't know if that's the same for you but it is for me i could agree number four is an internet sensation right now popular game and that is blood rage this one, I love painting the miniatures for it. I just start. I never was a painter before this, but I actually got really into painting the miniatures. I'm still painting the miniatures now, and the miniatures are very detailed, and they help make the game excellent. And it's got a little card drafting element to it. It's area control. You know, you're attacking people, but it's not the risk of a die. You both are picking a card. And then going, you know, who had the higher value and you compared, you know, with their strength. and Blood Rage is good. I remember you telling me it was good. We finally got to play it. And uh, I'm not going to complain about Blood Rage at all. That was a pretty good selection. Although it didn't make my top ten list. You played Blood Rage? Yes. Yes, I did. Wow. Uh, Arcadia Quest is my number four. Kickstarter has brought us a lot of really interesting things. Okay, for instance, a statue of RoboCop in Detroit, potentially, because of Kickstarter. But uh, Arcadia Quest is a product of Kickstarter, and to me, it's, uh, it's pretty excellent. Uh, I feel like it's kind of a combination of a lot of your old-school RPG elements. It definitely has kind of an old-school D&D feel to it. You have a ton of these little miniatures, uh, all these little characters, but it also kind of has that same element, like Pandemic Legacy, like the last one, where you have like this enduring campaign, uh, campaign that goes on. However, in Arcadia Quest, there is a ton of replay value. It's not going to rock you with any kind of revelations like the Pandemic Legacy did. There's no permanent changes, but you play through a campaign, your characters have certain items that they retain, and you play a series of games, and it's probably going to take more than one night. But um, there's lots of characters, a lot of replay value, and um, 
I I love it. I wholeheartedly agree. Okay. All right. My number three, <clears throat> Seven Wonders and Seven Wonders Duel. I combined those two because Seven Wonders Duel is a two-player. Seven Wonders is good for three. So your top ten list is up to twelve now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Something All right. like that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Whatever. You're gonna give me a hard time about it. it. Yes. They're almost the same game, just play slightly differently with the drafting in the card pyramid. Both of them are excellent. Both of them you can teach to anyone. They're gonna have a good time. I like how with Seven Wonders you can play with a larger group number. You can play with six or seven people. And it still plays mm-hmm. for, in about the same amount of time, and it's just as fun. And I have to say, I, I will have to go along with you a little bit. Seven Wonders Duels is, uh, I'm really not a huge fan of games where you duel. You go head-to-head. I just feel like there's a, I guess I'm a very social person. I like the idea of a group of people doing something. So I I, I wasn't really all that into playing a duels game but uh seven wonders duels was pretty excellent i really enjoyed playing it with you the other day and uh so i've i've been kind of converted i uh, i knew seven wonders i've played seven wonders and now it's good but duels is also excellent yeah and in part you know maybe part of the reason why i really like seven wonder duels because i'm still undefeated mm. i'm like you lucked out you lucked out i was crushing <laughs> you <laughs> I was cr- you don't even know I was crushing him. Okay, Sorry. we should probably just move on. Okay, what's your number three? Number three is Risk 2210. Ah. So, yeah, I, I feel like if we're going to have a conversation about board games, this is a nostalgia pick a little bit, but I would never put it on my top ten if I didn't feel like it was a a good game to play any time. If we wanted to play Risk 2210 after this right now, I would be completely game. Risk was a, is a classic game, but uh, Risk 2210 kind of just updated all of that stuff. It, it really didn't do anything wrong. It made everything better. Um, the original Risk had a virtually unlimited amount of playtime. People would be basically out of the game, but you're not totally dead yet, so you can't walk away. And you know, Risk 2210 is a limited amount of playtime. It's your classic, but it's a world domination. It's your classic board game geek type game we're, we're sitting down and we're trying to conquer the world we have all our armies and but there's a lot of strategy there's a lot of special cards and maneuvers that can be done it's just a great game and uh we've had some epic games in the past too where we've done secret alliances yes in yes. and we've that had pe- we've had people word. get angry at the yes. board we've had people go kamikaze on it and mm. It's a, it's made some for some great experiences. So yes, we we really need to get together and play that again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been it has been a while. I think the success of twenty two ten actually prompted them to make a lot more risk spinoffs, which were all decent but kind of right. uncalled for. Anyways, it would just been nice to have a risk twenty two ten expansion. Hint Avalon Hill. Hint. All right. So anyways, on to my number two. Race. And roll for the galaxy. Once again, two games. Do you... Okay. <laughs> Whatever. They're, Continue. They're, they're essence, besides being one being cards and one being dice, they're essentially the same game. I like both the same. I, I Maybe I would prefer race slightly more. Maybe mm-hmm. I prefer roll slightly more sometimes. 
I don't you can't know. even say which one you prefer more. You are just... You're yeah. spineless, okay? I'm oh. just going to say it. You just... You, <laughs> top 10 list, it comes in at 13 games. We're up to 13 games at this point. 15 if you count to honorable 15, mentions. 15, all of honorable... Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> but, you know, I like how you got to figure out what your opponents are going to do for a roll, for their action for the turn, and try and determine your own action. There might be something you really want to do, but you also kind of know your opponent's also going to do it, so maybe there's something else you might want to do. You, you might have two or three actions you really want to do. You're trying to figure out, okay, what are they going to do so that I can do my other ones? And I've seen it work great where, you know, it succeeds, everyone does everything you wanted to do, and then I've seen it absolutely fail, and you just nothing gets accomplished for your turn. I can't... Although I do criticize you for your lack of testicular fortitude, <laughs> I, I can't really say that those aren't very good games. I prefer Roll for the Galaxy. Uh, a lot of fun. And honestly, I might have almost had to put that on my top ten, but I didn't. Very good games, and I'm completely with you on that one. Uh, so for my number two, I have Epic Duels, which is a little bit of a weird pick, Okay, I, I have to admit right now that I have a, a bias. So, um, so which epic duels are you picking here? Because there's several... Star Wars. Okay, so Star, if you want to be technical about it, I'm selecting Star well, you, Wars. You were giving me a hard time because I picked right. two different ones, so I'm just making sure. But what I'm really selecting is the extended online community of epic duels. That's what I'm really selecting. Okay, so we have uh, there's epic duels Star there's epic duels Star Wars there's epic duels Transformers, but a lot of people have. There have gone online and created an extended version of the game. The game has long since really been discontinued. In Epic Duels, you get to play the part of your favorite character and square off against a friend, or a, a, you can team up and have teams of friends wielding similar characters. Uh, so in Epic Duels uh, Star Wars, you could have your favorite Star Wars characters. You can have Han Solo, Anakin Skywalker, or even have Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker in the same game. You, uh, I've noticed that if you win or you lose, people's satisfaction really tends to uh, boils down to how fairly represented their favorite characters were. Now, what I mentioned about the online community, there's uh, a thriving online community of people who have imported their most beloved characters from any property, and they've uh, imported them into the Epic Duels format. It's pretty easy to do. It's um, essentially a, a card game with with uh, a miniature or a standee yes. on, a, on a grid, and you're moving them on the grid and attack, trying to de yes. defeat the other opponent. And each character has a certain deck of abilities to choose from. So if you like Batman, you could have Batman. You could have Zelda, Superman. All your favorite Star Wars or otherwise characters have all been done online. But the game itself is kind of faded from existence. You've actually run the Avengers one yes. at Gen Con for I, I, two years. At Gen Con, I, uh, for a few years, I've been running an Avengers game. And I've noticed uh, the most rewarding thing ever is when people sit down to play your game and you tell them which characters are available and you tell them, well, yes, there's a Rocket Raccoon deck and you can select Rocket Raccoon and here's his little figurine. And, if you, and, you know, and, and uh, to see people just light up, I've seen kids absolutely kind of go bonkers the game isn't super strategic but you definitely need to think about what you're going to do you also need to take some chances you can try to bluff other people but at the end of the day it's your favorite 
comic book, video game heroes, movie heroes, and you just go toe to toe and you fight. It's a fun game. I it's I've played to death, and so we have. and so I've it fell off my list because it's just it's one of those games that I've played so much that now it's just like I don't really want to play it. But if we introduce some new decks, that's all that it would take, as far as I'm concerned. But okay, all right, all right. Anyways, on to our number ones. Mm-hmm. My number one's actually been mentioned on your list. Okay. And if you follow me on Twitter, this will be no surprise to you. It's got, a, it just had another successful Kickstarter, and that is Arcadia Quest. I love Arcadia number Quest. Number one. Yes. That's your number one, number one. Yes. There is no slash or anything like that. You finally managed to buckle down and okay, you you at least your number one is your actual number one. I like it's a dungeon crawler, but you're all you're competing against the other players. You each have your guild of three characters that you're getting different equipment for and you're trying to complete there might be missions that you're trying to kinda complete together. You want to be the one to complete you know, finish it. But you have to kind of work together to defeat the monster. But then there's also, I need to defeat you too. You need to knock out their character. And what's also nice is you kill one of their characters. They're not gone forever. They rest for a turn and they're back. So no one's ever out of the game. No one feels too beat down. Uh, Some complain about the luck of the dice. Dice can... Dice can be good for you. Dice can be bad for you. I always just like chucking dice. That's life, my friend. Yes. An analogy for life. I love chucking dice, though. And so that that does... You, you get big handfuls of dice, yeah. and you throw yeah. them on the table. Yeah. When you've I mean, got your attack all ramped up, and you so you're like, oh, look at all these attack dice I'm about to roll. Yeah. It's a good feeling. All right. So what's your number one, Jordan? All right. My number one, number one... It's Shadows Over Camelot. Not the expansions. I actually kind of didn't prefer the expansions. So, uh, But six months ago, I wouldn't have named this as my top game. It might have made the top ten, but we haven't played it for a while. But I recently had the opportunity to play it again with some friends. We were just kind of hanging out, and it was one of those rare times you actually have extra time on your hands, and you're like, hey, let's play... Shadows Over Camelot, and I was shocked at how excited I was to actually play this. When we were setting up the board and and we were dealing out our cards, who's the traitor, who's who's you know the loyal, and you, uh, I found myself really looking forward to playing this game. You take your favorite co-op role-playing questing elements along with the social element of trying to figure out who is the traitor. You have a game that's strategically challenging as well as being fun. But in fairness, the game does have some flaws. Uh, Some people have created some house rules to try to address this. You really won't notice those flaws until you've played a few times. The game is genuinely challenging. If you sit down with a group of people to play it, you will find yourself... You have to work together to try to win this game, and you will find yourself struggling to try to win this game. In fact, you might lose your first couple games. So it definitely is an accomplishment to win, especially when one of you is secretly trying to ruin everything. So if I had to put a list of games that a person should run out and buy, well, obviously, I guess my top ten list would be a list of games I think you should buy. But 
Shadows over Camelot is like a no-brainer. Everybody could have this in their collection. I, I enjoy Shadows over Camelot. I'm not going to say I don't. It's a fun game. I don't think it's essentially for everyone because I, I think there's a little bit of the... And this is an issue with all with the majority of co-op games is it can be where someone tries to kind of take over the game and tell everyone kind of what to do. It's not as bad in Shadows over Camelot because you do have the traitor element and you do... But then that could also... If you have that type of player, you can kind of ruin it. I haven't noticed that. But that, to me, is part of the social element. If, if somebody, if, if that's the way your group is, and there's one guy who's so overbearing that no, and nobody else stands up to him, well, I suppose that could be an issue. But to me, in Shadows, it's kind of less of an issue because no matter what, everyone assumes that someone is a traitor. So you're really not going to listen to any one guy who tries to tell everybody what to do. I'm, I'm with you, though. That is an issue commonly in a lot of these types of games. Yeah. Is you Somebody uh, takes over. It's a fun and... It's a fun game. Um, I recently got to play Battlestar Galactica with all the expansions. And I'm not sure. I think I might like that a little bit more what? than Shadows. But... You'll okay. have to give it a try sometime. I guess. I haven't played with, you know, I just played Battlestar Galactica a couple times. but So I'm sure there's a lot of games that people are like, hey, I'm surprised this isn't on your list, this isn't on your list. And me and Jordan, even though we get to play lots of games, especially nowadays with reviewing games, but there's still lots of games that we haven't got to play. And a couple of them that I actually listed that I actually own, I'm like, we have to get these to the table soon because I could actually see them making our top tens would be okay. El, El Grande, which is a very popular... The burrito-making game. Yeah, the burrito. No, no. It's, uh, it's one of the original kind of like area control games that okay. a lot of people like. And uh, Baroog's, a Stefan uh, Feld game, kind of the worker placement type, we, we, which we tend to we enjoy, even though our list really didn't enjoy it as much. I was kind of surprised about that with our list. Is we didn't have as many Euro-style type games. I tried to have a variety. I, that was purposeful on my part. You tried. I just went strictly with my top ten. And then okay. uh, the other ones would be uh, Kemet. Everyone talks about how they compare that one to Blood Rage. So I, okay. I really want to give that a try. Uh, Caverna. I've heard that people recommend that over Agricola. Because mm-hmm. I really didn't care for Agricola. I know you, you don't mind it, but... Um, I'm okay with it. Boy, one of our friends is... He really loves that game. Yeah, he does. He's going to want to play it, like, literally an hour from now. He's going to try to play that game. Right. And then the last one, I just got a review copy of Mombasa, and that looks really fun. Mm-hmm. So, And that's kind of like an economic game a little bit. A little bit of power gradation in there. Okay. But okay. It, it looks good. Okay. Anyways, I think that's all for today. I want to thank you all for listening. Jordan, thanks for uh, joining me today as my co-host. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, we ask that if you get a chance, if you liked this podcast, let us know. If there's any comments or criticism you'd like to give, please uh, please let me know at on Twitter at SO1KS. Me and Jordan both write reviews for SO1KS Gaming at www so1ks.com I want to thank uh, MFG Podcast for letting us uh, they host our uh, host our podcast and they also do the editing for this and so there's a big thanks to them because without without them this probably wouldn't have these podcasts wouldn't happen so thank you to them 